Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Welcome back to Maxwell the Monster, a sorry tale of a man who started with nothing, became a multi-millionaire businessman, and lost it all through greed and arrogance. Robert Maxwell died in 1991, but 30 years later, his name is still making news. His daughter Ghislaine was convicted of sex crimes. You could say the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. In this episode, George and Ron discuss the mystery that surrounded Captain Bob's death on his opulent yacht. Did he jump, or was he pushed? Well, what we know is, at the time, he was under great stress, obviously, because he knew it was all coming down within days. He was drinking heavily. He wasn't sleeping properly. He goes up onto the deck of the Lady Ghislaine, in the morning, early morning hours. Yeah. Did he jump? I can't see that he could be pushed. I believe he was pushed, and in that, I agree with Ghislaine Maxwell. She believes he was murdered. She's very clear that he was murdered. Talking of Ghislaine Maxwell, it's time now to delve into the past of this family, which occupied an elevated position in high society for so long. Ron picks up the story of Robert Maxwell's life as a husband and father. Maxwell's family, his original family, there were nine children. He was one of nine children. And he deliberately replicated in his own family nine children. Mm. Um, the eldest died after... Died Michael. just after Ghislaine's birth, actually. Yes. In a car right. accident. A few days later. Yeah. yeah. Well, he lived on for seven years. He did, in a coma. In a coma, yeah. Yeah. But but from him him being the favourite, it switched to her. Yeah. According to the mother, when Ghislaine was three, she put herself in front of her mother and said, Mummy, I exist. And from then on, she was showered in affection and... Yeah, Everything. thoroughly spoiled, yeah. Totally. Uh, and, of course, Maxwell named his ill-fated yacht from which he either fell or was pushed to his death. Uh, he named it after her, the Lady Ghislaine. It had been owned by another arms dealer, uh, Adnan Khashoggi. Yeah. Uh, I think he had called it the Lady Soroya. He had married an English girl called Soraya. Uh, but in any case, he sold it to Maxwell. Yeah, I don't think it was completed. The boat wasn't completed, and he bailed out somehow, and Maxwell came in oh, really? and bought it. Okay. And, of course, again, not a lot of people know this. I'm grateful to you for telling me. 
That boat that was owned by Robert Maxwell, called the Lady Ghislaine, was subsequently owned by the then wife, he's had several since, haven't we all, uh, of, Ro of Rupert Murdoch, who was uh, Maxwell's great rival, but who was always beaten by, Murdoch always beat Maxwell. Even, how powerful as Maxwell was, he always came second to Rupert Murdoch. And the yacht ended up owned by Rupert Murdoch's then wife. Anna, what's her name? Yeah. Anna Murdoch. Yeah, Scottish, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I think she was. The Lady Ghislaine plays an important part, obviously, in the demise of Maxwell, but the financial demise, because she, Ghislaine, was with Maxwell on the boat when they sailed into Manhattan when he was buying the New York Daily News. That's where it all began to go wrong for exactly. Maxwell. He, he, this was a ludicrous purchase of a failing newspaper in a crowded newspaper market. And he did it out of one-upmanship uh, against uh, Murdoch to say that he'd been the first to become a US mm. newspaper magnate. Uh, and yes, you're right, Ghislaine was given the job, not his wife. By this time, Ghislaine had effectively eclipsed Maxwell's wife. She was his companion at more or less all events. And uh, it was her job to smooth the way uh, through the mob-infested yes. uh, swamps yes. of uh, New York uh, business. And eventually he, he did secure the Daily News and it was then that he launched himself as this larger-than-life American, uh, what was I going to say, potentate, mogul. Mm -hmm. uh, but he, by then, didn't have the money quite to carry that off. No, he was like a juggler, a conjurer, spinning plates. He yeah. was moving money from here to there yeah. around his empire. Yeah. Including your pension, yeah. including the pension of and all those who'd bank attacked loans, me. Everything yeah. like that. Yeah. When he bought the, the New York Daily News, he got one of his acolytes to phone up Murdoch to tell him that he had bought, he, Robert Maxwell, had yeah, he bought. woke Murdoch up in the middle of the yeah. night in Australia. And he, he burst out laughing. That. Yeah. <laughs> he laughed. Yes. As well he might. He had the last laugh. Yeah, he had the last laugh. And he's still going and Maxwell's long gone. Yeah. Um, incidentally, uh, the, the journalists who pissed all over Galloway included one, Alastair Campbell, later uh, the chief propagandist for Tony Blair, including notoriously uh, in the run-up to and through and after uh, the invasion and occupation of Iraq. Campbell, at Maxwell's behest, had been on my case from uh, the libel case. As soon as Maxwell learned that I must be the source of the case that he sued Private Eye over, he set uh, Alistair Campbell on me. And Campbell more or less lived on my doorstep for years. I could hardly turn round without uh, bumping into him. And he 
turned me over, as he said, many, many times. And uh, then when he went to work for Blair, he went to work for Kinnock first, actually, and he was a zealous, an acolyte of Robert Maxwell and Neil Kinnock, as he subsequently became of Tony Blair. He, he was a, a power junkie, Alistair Campbell. He affixed himself like a clam to powerful men. Uh, and look where he ended up, or look where millions of people ended up as a result of Alistair Campbell. But the front page in the Daily Mirror, pissing all over me, I've got it framed in the wing of my house that Mr. Campbell helped me to buy in my libel winnings. Uh, and there he is, there's his name, his byline, the little known then, yeah. Alistair Campbell. But of course, all of these hacks who maturated over you within weeks had to do the reverse ferret. They were then belatedly exposing how Maxwell had robbed 763 million, I think, in total. Pounds. Uh, Pounds, So uh, a billion dollars. Um, Yes, a reverse ferret, we should explain, for those not in the trade. Uh, (laughs) You're on behalf of one party, you're viciously attacking another, and then when it turns out that the other was right all along, you turn around and, like a ferret, turn on your previous patron. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. I I remember uh, my then parliamentary assistant, when I was awarded this huge sum of money and all costs, because the Mirror Group could not not defend the case, uh, my then parliamentary assistant, a fellow called Gordon MacDougall, said to me, why don't you make a statement that you will not accept your libel winnings until all the mirror group pensioners have been reinst- have been recompensed. And I laughed out loud and he said, will you mull it over? And I replied, consider it mulled. <laughs> <laughs> no, I laughed. Of course, there were a lot of poor people uh, and there were some good people like you who lost their pension. But all these sniveling reptiles that were ready to write anything that Maxwell wanted them to write and attack anyone he wanted them to attack, they all lost their pensions too. And I hope that they went on to enjoy a miserable retirement. You say you referred to it earlier, but this situation where he was able to get vast sums of money from banks with little or no security. How how do you put that down? Well, there's an old saw that if you owe the bank a million pounds, you've got problems. But if you owe the bank a hundred million pounds, the bank has a problem. So many of these banks lent money in order to keep him going so as not to lose the money they'd already lent him. So it was kind of pyramid scheme. Uh, really. Um, And as long as he kept acquiring more and more assets, even if largely through to his own incompetence and and, uh, extravagance, I mean, this was a man way ahead of his time when it came to buying yachts and private jets and luxurious uh, pads and uh, 
paying gigantic salaries to suborn members of the establishment. And at one stage, Sir Peter Jay, who had been uh, the British ambassador to Washington and who was married to the daughter of the Prime Minister of Britain, James Callaghan, somehow ended up working for Robert Maxwell as a factotum to be abused and insulted and browbeaten at huge salary sure. just because he could and to show that he could, to show how great he had become, that he could take uh, someone of Peter Jay's eminence and turn him into an office boy. My lawyer, the late and great, God rest his soul, Oscar Buzelink, who represented me in the beginning of my uh, uh, life in London and who sued successfully many people on my behalf, suddenly told me he could no longer represent me in this case against the Mirror Group because Robert Maxwell had hired him. Oscar had won so many cases against Robert Maxwell that Maxwell thought it would be cheaper to hire him. And Hiram, he did, and he never did a day's work for Maxwell. He was basically on gardening leave at great, great expense <laughs> just because Maxwell could. And he did it all on stolen money and borrowed money, which turned out to be the same thing, really, because, of course, the banks lost all their money uh, because uh, he should never have been lent it in the first place. He had fraudulently borrowed it in the first place. So all of it was stolen money uh, and a uh, billion dollars worth of the workers' pensions. I rec recall an old saw, I knew a man, a very fat man, who watered the workers' beer. I always thought that really applied to Maxwell. It might have been written. <laughs> in this case, they didn't just water the workers' beer, he stole it. Yeah. So the question is, isn't it, did he jump or was he pushed? I don't know your own view on that. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, uh, what we know is at the time... He was under great stress, obviously, because he knew it was all coming down within days. He was drinking heavily. He wasn't sleeping properly. 
he goes up onto the deck of the Lady Ghislaine. In the morning, early morning hours. Earlier, mm -hmm. Did he jump? I can't say that he could be pushed. I believe he was pushed, and in that I agree with Ghislaine Maxwell. She believes he was murdered. She's very clear that he was murdered. Uh, his widow uh, was adamant that he def definitely didn't commit suicide. No, sure. I, I myself, I don't have evidence one way or another, but knowing Maxwell as I came to do, him taking the conscious decision to jump off the end of a boat and drown himself was extremely unlikely. And he had torn muscles in his sure, shoulder sure. when his body was found, which seemed to indicate he was hanging that on. he was hanging on. So I rule out myself suicide. And therefore, it's a question of did he fall or was he pushed? I think that, don't forget some of the murky players that were involved in this and who he was about to cause enormous loss, uh, including mafia connections, uh, I think there's a good case for saying that there were enough people with a cause to murder him uh, that he may have been murdered. Uh, because the thing about Maxwell is he would have sung like a canary if he'd ended up in courts. Yeah, with uh, tears and an onion. It would have been an onion and a tear, and they made me do it. Yes. The British security services made me do it. The Israeli security services made me do it. I was doing it for them, Your Honor. That's how he would have conducted it. So did one of these services for whom he was working, or one of these gangs with which he was associated in this swamp, think actually we've lost a lot of money, but we could lose much more, including our liberty, if he lives to tell the tale, even to invent a tale. So he could have fallen. He was a very fat man, very drunk. It was a moving object, yeah. a yacht at sea, although conditions were calm. Yeah, there could was a swell. Yeah. Yeah, relatively calm. I mean, yeah. we're not talking a hurricane or no, anything. No, no. And it could be that he went out to, as he did, miturate over the side of the boat, or that someone boarded the boat on a dinghy off the Canary Islands and made sure that Robert Maxwell went to a watery grave. Uh, I'm with Ghislaine Maxwell in that I lean towards the murder. Now, I had uh, a, a brutal um, introduction uh, to Robert Maxwell, but so did you. Tell us about that. It was 1975, the Scottish Daily News, which was a workers' cooperative which had sprung from the Daily Express, the Scottish Daily Express, which had made everybody redundant and retreated to Manchester. And the workers decided to, that we take over the building, they would take over the presses and they would launch a newspaper called... The leader of that co-op is still alive, by the way, and I spoke to him quite recently. Alistair Mackey. Alistair Mackey, still alive. Is he? Very, very old, yeah. Yeah. Alistair was the, the figurehead of the workers' cooperative committee. 
And the deal was with the government. Um, Tony Benn was the minister in charge that I think if they could raise half the money, the government would go pound for pound and they would be able to take over the building and start their newspaper. Well, they were 100,000 odd short with the deadline just days before the whole thing would have fallen apart and they couldn't have moved into the building. So a delegation went to Headington Hill Hall, which was the Mas Maxwell home. Uh, the best council house in the country is Maxwell. Yeah, it was Co a stately home that stately was owned home. by the council. It owned by the council, which he got for a peppercorn yeah. in exchange for, for doing up. So a delegation, we went to Headington Hill Hall and to persuade Maxwell to put up the £110,000. And my memory of that is tea and coffee were served in this beautiful tea set, except Maxwell's cup was twice the size of anybody else's. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the kind of guy he was. And, of course, once he put up the money, his megalomania kicked in. This would have been his first newspaper venture. It was his first newspaper venture. And, of course, there was a resistance to him and his methods, he was there all the time. He was in the canteen serving chips. He was hectoring people over the, the intercom, the tannoy, and was generally just messing the whole venture up, coming down onto the editorial. Putting himself in the paper? Uh, putting himself in the paper, Picture putting his, his arm name. around journalists, telling them what they should write. <laughs> it, I, I can't describe what it was like. And every night... Presumably, when he had a drink in him, he would boom over the tannoy about the 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 the, the cretins, the fools, the, the the people who were opposing his methods, methods and his salvation of the newspaper. And of course, he didn't come up. But the majority of the workforce believed that he would take it over and their jobs would be secure. But of course, he didn't. He just disappeared. And, and it all came crashing down. It all came crashing down. Wow. Again, another early warning that should have been heeded. Because, of course, when he took over the mirror, he did exactly the same thing. His own face and his own name was in the paper every day. Yeah. And whilst he was pledging uh, editorial freedom uh, to the people working for him, that, was, that would make a horse laugh. Yeah, and it was only... It was only several years after, as you mentioned earlier, he had been slaughtered by, I think it was then called the Board of Trade, yeah. over that Lisco deal with Pergamon. Yeah. He was not a fit, proper person to exercise stewardship of a public company. That was only a few company. years before, exactly. because that, that finding would be about 68, 69. Yeah. And the Daily News was 75. 75, yeah. And was it your pension from the Express that he nicked? No, no, no. It wasn't. That That was later because he bought, you know, he bought everything, didn't he? He was, he was like a magpie. I mean, he, he bought football teams. He, bought, he tried to buy Manchester United. He had Derby County. He Derby had County, Oxford. Oxford United, which Ghislaine was in charge of. Yeah, exactly. A student. She was still a student yeah. at the time. He so, made her uh, the person to run Oxford, Oxford United, United football yeah. team. I mean, he collected, he had Macmillan publishers, didn't he? Yeah. He bought newspapers, he bought 
McDonald's, Futura, who published my first book and then went bankrupt as the book was still coming off the press, <laughs> leaving, <laughs> leaving me in a difficult situation. Yeah. No, when they took over the New York Daily News, the negotiations went on in the Macmillan building in, in New York because he had to negotiate with the unions unsuccessfully, really. He wanted to slash everything, of course. Of course, the unions were heavily mob-infiltrated. Oh, totally mob. Because at one stage, the American union leader went out for a splendid dinner with Maxwell's uh, factotums, uh, he, who plied, them, pl plied the union guys with the best of food and drink. And uh, they then said, so what do you think? And the union leader allegedly said, tell that fat F U-C-K, boss of yours, that if he keeps insisting on the demands that he's making of us, he'll end up sleeping with the fishes in the East River. Yeah, with his throat slit. With his throat slit. I, I omitted that bloodthirsty <laughs> aspect. Uh, yeah, I think they said it. that actually to his face. Yeah, yeah. To Maxwell's face. To Maxwell's face, yeah. After he was uh, a bully... Liar, Many bullies cheat. are cowards. Was he a coward? That would go to the suicide uh, theory. I doubt if he was a coward. He may have been one of those bullies that was not, in fact, a coward. And if you think about it, he came from a shtetl of impoverished uh, and oppressed uh, Jewish stock in Central Europe. And we're still talking about him in 2021. I mean, I see so much of Bob Maxwell in her. I see, even facially, I can see him. And in her great Yiddish word, chutzpah, she definitely learned that at her father's feet. But the crimes that she and Epstein committed will probably still be being talked about many decades uh, hence. So this Maxwell bloodline has got quite some way to run, I think. Finally, George, we've gone through the, the, the history of, of Robert Maxwell and the events. How do you sum the man up? He was a monster, a physical and moral monster. He was a thief. He was the biggest British thief of the 20th century. I mean, we talk about the great train robbery, which nicked three or four million quid off a train in the early 1960s. Uh, Robert Maxwell nicked a billion dollars, uh, three quarters of a million, uh, sorry, 750 odd million pounds. He was the greatest thief in Britain of the 20th century. He was a monster, a moral uh, monster, a physical monster. He reared other monsters in Ghislaine Maxwell, not to mention uh, any of the others. Uh, he lied and cheated and bullied his way through British public life. As you know, I was a member of the British Parliament myself for almost 30 years. It was legend when I was in the British Parliament that Robert Maxwell had got himself made the chairman 
of the select committee dealing with the catering in the House of Commons in order that he could literally steal uh, the finest wines from the House of Commons wine cellars. And he did, in fact, loot the House of Commons wine cellars of vintages of, uh, of extraordinary value. Uh, there was nothing that he wouldn't steal. There was no one that he wouldn't bludgeon. Uh, but I think the big criminals in this picture are not actually Maxwell. But the people who remained silent or even complicit in his rise and rise, and above all the toffee-nosed British elite that permitted him to rampage through our public life for so long and gave him hundreds of millions of pounds of people's money in order to facilitate his schemes. So if there's a house of horrors in hell, I'm pretty sure he's got quite an important pitch in that house of horrors. I don't hate as I did during the war, but I cannot forget or forgive. And that's the story of Maxwell the Monster, as told by George Galloway and Ron Mackay. I hope you've enjoyed the series. If you have, please rate it five stars and leave a review. With thanks to BBC Radio 4's Desert Island Discs and Thames TV Archive, this was a Shellex production directed and written by Chris James and produced by Joe Brown, Simon Scott and Paul O'Doherty. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.